0: see the world from a totally different perspective ready for provocative conversation intriguing stories and inspiration then don't touch that dial welcome to talk with Francesca she'll give you something to talk about all week long now here's Francesca
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Talk with Francesca. Check out my new website designed by the one and only Rockstar Marketing. I'll just say these guys rock. The web address is talkwithfrancesca.com. You can find out just about anything you want or need to know about Talk with Francesca. Francesca I can't even say my own name this morning um about whether it's an upcoming show listening to a recent show or to contact me so on that note if you have any questions comments or a show suggestion don't hesitate to email me at info at talkwithfrancesca.com or you can use my contact form from my site again the site address is talkwithfrancesca.com All right, we're going to get started. Talk with Francesca is sponsored today by Stacy's Home Decor. The web address is stacyshomedecor.com. If your home needs a facelift, they offer in-home shopping. They'll come right out to see you, and you can choose from a wide variety of window coverings. Give them a call today at 781-595-0097 and tell Vin that Francesca sent you. All right, I'm giving away four tickets to C-Streak last... uh, Excuse me, I gave away four tickets to C-Streak last week to Santina Giannano of Braintree. Enjoy. And I'm giving away four more tickets this week. The fifth emailer will get four tickets on C-Streak to Martha's Vineyard. Hurry up, though. The season is almost over, so jump on your computer now. Enough housekeeping. We've got a ton to cover this morning. All right, I want you to know, do you think... Do you, do you think you have a narcissist in your life? Chances are the answer is yes. Stay with me here. You're about to hear a gripping conversation about narcissists and how to spot them. You may look at your parents, your friends, your enemies, your fellow workers, and perhaps most pertinently, your own reflection in the mirror a bit differently after the show. And if your reflection pleases you far more than it should, well, you probably are not going to like what you hear. I know, I know. We all want to feel special. It's essential to maintaining a healthy sense of self-worth, but just how much is too much? Apparently people want to know though, because narcissism happens to be the fastest rising searches on Google. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. Yet the meaning of narcissism seems to be something different each time it's uttered. The only certainty is that it's bad to be a narcissist. Really, really bad. So it only seemed natural to invite Craig Malkin, Dr. Craig Malkin, excuse me, a Harvard Medical School instructor, clinical psychologist, and author of Rethinking Narcissism, The Secret to Recognizing and Coping with Narcissists. Now, Craig, uh, good morning, Craig.
2: Good morning, um, Francesca. I,
1: I, I'm, I'm concerned here because I'm looking at your book right in front of me, which I read off, Rethinking Narcissism, The Secret to Recognizing and Coping with Narcissists. But then another book that I had, it says the bad and surprising good about feeling special. So, which is the tagline?
2: I <laughs> 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 I, I, I actually prefer the latter tagline. The secret now. to recognizing which t- one did you? Well, yeah, because I, I think it makes it a whole lot clearer to people what I'm trying to do in the book, which is to make it easier for them to protect themselves and to use the strategies that I draw from the research and what we know about narcissism
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to spot danger a lot more quickly and a lot more easily than we used to be able to
1: okay well i just want to also mention to our listeners this morning that you were featured in this month's cover story of psychology today and um hopefully you'll help us dismantle what narcissism is and is not but before you do that i want to let our listeners know that you have given us five books rethinking narcissism to give away so jump on your computers now listeners put narcissism in the subject line and watch how fast these books go (laughs) <laughs> all right, then. All right. So we've got all this housekeeping out of the way. Sort this all out for us. When I think of narcissism, I think of someone as sort of a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's stealthy, detached behavior. But in your book, Rethinking Narcissism, it seems like there's more to that. So if you could define, Craig, in layman's terms, of what narcissism not only is but is not, that would be fantastic.
2: I think the easiest place to start is with what it's not, and you've touched on that. So, if, when, if you, I imagine if we asked the average listener out there to conjure up an image when they think of the word narcissism or narcissist, they would think of a vain, preening, primping braggart, a boastful reality TV type. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that uh, is that not all narcissists care about looks or fame or money, and some can be extremely quiet. So what we have as an image is really a caricature or a stereotype. And it becomes a bigger problem because if we get too distracted by that stereotype, we miss signs of danger, which have absolutely nothing to do with vanity or greed. So I think we have to start there and, and, and move forward. Um,
1: okay, so kind of okay. tease that apart for us. I mean, so... so give us give us like a a sort of really You, what you're absolutely right i when i think of a narcissist i mean it's just sort of that glaring in your face obnoxious no i don't want to be your friend on facebook no i don't want to be connected to you on linkedin (laughs) so (laughs) so where is the wiggle room in the spectrum say again i said so where is the wiggle room then in the spectrum
2: right so what i've done in order to make this clear for people is, as I say, let's think, instead of thinking of narcissism as just this, this stereotypical, obnoxious personality trait, let's think of it as the drive to feel special. And the reason that's important is because as soon as you start thinking about that way, we have all these different kinds of narcissism, and that's what I was touching on. We've got mm-hmm. measures for narcissism that are more like the classic image that people conjure up. Uh, then we, the, uh, that I call extroverted narcissism. And that's the loud braggart, or the person who wants to friend everybody on Facebook, and you're like, please don't friend me or even try. <laughs> then you've got the, <laughs> then you've got the introverted narcissist.
1: That's uh, interesting. People, I want to hear more about that because I bet you our listeners. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So there are all kinds of ways to feel special, and this is how I pull everything together. So you can think of the extroverted narcissists. These are people who feel special because uh, they feel exceptional or unique based on their looks or their intelligence. And that, but you can also feel, feel special based on things that really have nothing to do with feeling good about yourself. So introverted narcissists tend to be quiet. They can even be self-effacing or seemingly so. And they agree with statements like, I have problems that nobody else seems to understand. And I feel temperamentally different from most people. You can see this has nothing to do with having high self-confidence. This is feeling special uh, in, in a sense of I feel like the most misunderstood person in the room. That's introverted narcissism. Uh, and then there's a new, hmm. uh, really in the last decade or so, maybe less, uh, kind of narcissism that we've uncovered in the research, communal narcissism. These are people who agree with statements like, I'm the most helpful person I know. Uh. So well, before I wrote Rethinking Narcissism, this was all a mess. We had these three different types. We had unhealthy, and healthy narcissism and no way to tie it all together. And so I said, no, what they all have in common is this drive to feel special or unique, or exceptional, not necessarily in a good way compared to the rest of the 7 billion people on the planet. And as soon as you think about it that way, you can think of uh, narcissism as a drive to feel special. Narcissists are dependent on or addicted to feeling special.
1: Addicted,
2: ah. Yeah, Um, especially, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, so what I'm hearing you say is not all narcissists look and sound alike. Uh, but what no. is but what is the common thread? Is that they desperately cling to a feeling of needing to be special. But, but, um, Craig, don't we all want to feel special?
2: You're touching on this, such an important point. Uh, you sent me this fantastic video <laughs> called Validation. <laughs> I love that. I it's loved like... <laughs> it. It was such a touching tribute to that part of us that all that that in all of us wishes to be recognized it mine for something Uh, exceptional about us and what we know from the research and just to describe to listeners if you haven't seen this video validation, it's a parking validation attendant who validates people. (laughs) He becomes famous for it. Uh, You have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen and and things like that. and People, of course, light up and want to be around him. Um, We we all have uh, a drive to feel special. This is clear from the research. If you look at the vast majority of people around the world, and this is cross- culture, including places like China, uh, the healthy, happy people uh, feel a little exceptional or unique, at least privately, uh, to quote uh, University of Washington researcher and psychologist Jonathan Brown. And then when we feel ex- slightly exceptional or unique, you can think of it as like having rose-colored glasses for yourself, mm-hmm. and, uh, for the world, for others. When you feel slightly exceptional or unique in these ways, it, help, it helps us feel happier, more resilient, persists in the face of failure. Uh, in our research, people are better able to give and receive in relationships. So uh, feeling a little bit special seems to be good for us. I, I should also mention, and maybe we can get more into it, when we lack those rose-colored glasses, uh, we tend to be more anxious and, and, and depressed, and we can even fall into ex- relationships with extremely narcissistic people. So we even need those rose-colored glasses to protect us a, a little bit. I have a name for that problem of a lack of healthy narcissism, and maybe we can uh, share some of that with the with the listeners so did I go into the in detail in rethinking narcissism.
1: So, okay, so but. What I'm wondering about is um, kind of wanting to get into, you know, the the dangerous narcissists, like the the dangerous things that that they can do and how we really need to take care of ourselves. Because, like you said, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to, you know, sort of have a healthy sense of self-esteem and kind of look at ourselves through those kind of rose-colored glasses. Just otherwise, we can almost get a little depressed um, so that's healthy. But what about those, those narcissists that are, that are really they're dangerous and they're hurtful?
2: And we do need to talk about that because that is a concern, and this is what I wanted to make it easier for people to recognize as well. Uh, going back to that stereotype or that caricature, again, I talk about the first three-quarters of rethinking narcissism is devoted to helping people understand and recognize bad narcissism in a different way. Uh, So we have to sort of look at, well, what happens when somebody uh, turns to feeling special in whatever form, most misunderstood person in the room, most attractive person in the room, uh, most helpful person on the planet, Mm -hmm. um, and instead of turning to relationships when they're sad or scared or lonely uh, for for mutual caring and to depend on people in healthy ways, this is what we call secure attachment. Uh, When people are extremely narcissistic, uh, they addictively soothe themselves the way somebody would with alcohol or some other substance instead of turning to relationships. This immediately helps you recognize, okay, well, when does it become problematic? If fine, there's this research that around the world, that people have a slightly unrealistic positive self-image, that's good for us, within, within reason. Um... But just like any addiction, if you become so dependent on this for self-soothing that you turn away from relationships and, and uh, you lie, steal, cheat in order to get your high, now we're, mm-hmm. now we're tipping into danger here, mm-hmm. anything to get your high of feeling special, you're, you're going to demonstrate what I call triple E, and this is the hallmark of dangerous or unhealthy narcissism. Uh,
1: Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that um, that, you know, we don't arrive on Earth, you know, as blank slates. I mean, there are these root causes is this is an insecure kind of a a person. Is that right?
2: So. Yes, exactly. So maybe we. Yeah. No,
1: I was just going to say so then, if these people are so insecure, then it would it doesn't make sense to me that when they're feeling down, that they would turn away from people
2: exactly the reason they they start doing that is that somebody who uh, has had experiences where when they do feel sad or scared or lonely they don't trust people to be there for them either their parents or caretakers around them Uh uh, when when they were in those states didn't pay attention uh, or shut it out or even Worse, all they focused on was what that person did, turning them from a person into a performance, as I, as I describe in Rethinking Narcissism. This is going to create insecure attachment. They're not going to trust people to be there for them. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of ways to cope with insecure attachment, uh, heavy, heavy drug use or distracting mm-hmm. ourselves with gambling, all kinds of things. Uh, extreme narcissism is just another way of coping.
1: Uh, in, in, so if it's not one thing, it's your mother, <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that way? I mean, is sort of? Pardon me. Or father? Yeah. Well, I know, but sure you it, know that expression: yeah. if it's not one thing, it's your yeah. mother. Uh, so, but it does. It always seems to come back to that that um, insecure attachment and not yeah. feeling. You know, it's like we feel a certain way when we're four or five years old, and then we're an adult, and we're still acting like we're four or five years old. Isn't that right?
2: Precisely, Because four- and five-year-olds, of course, often, uh, they're, they're natural narcissists. If you ask them if they fail a test, mm-hmm. and this shows up in the research, mm-hmm. fail a test today, or they fail some task. Ask them how they're going to do tomorrow, and they're going to say, awesome. <laughs> they're going to do <laughs> fantastic. We, and, and obviously, we need a little bit of that throughout our lives. Imagine if kids predicted that they would fail the next time around how depressed they would be and how unwilling they would be to take risks and to try again so it's protective uh Uh, but but if we if we use that shield as we get older throughout our lives instead of turning to people to feel good in healthy ways depending on people it's called effective dependency as well um that that is when i'm upset i can and I can tell I can share people with people what's going on inside of me and I know that I'll know that they care and that they'll be there for me. Uh and if people don't develop that then they're apt to cope in these other ways.
1: Okay. All right. You know, um, Craig, we just need to take a short break. But when we come back, um, I'd like let's talk about, you know, sort of um, what happens when people aren't feeling special. And you know, that sort of the the, the destructive sort of malignant narcissists, you know, the, the ones who are really attack and and um, can really make your life miserable so stay with us here we'll be right back after this short break Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Ranked number 9 of the top 10 Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723. Three six seven three three, or visit us at anticofornoboston.com. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I can't take him with me, I bring him to the Beach Dog Doggy Daycare at 96 Newberry Port Turnpike in Newberry. Specializing in the care of small dogs, the small dog with the big dog attitude, there is no other daycare specializing in small dogs only. That's why I take my dog to the Beach Dog Doggy Daycare. And they offer free pickup and drop-off services to the local Newberry Port area, with home style playrooms with sofas, blankets, and rugs. And and dogs group daily by not only their social personality, but mood of the day. Where else could I possibly take my little guy? Visit the beach dog, dogdaycare.com. The Tides
0: is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HDTVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine.
1: I have found the best-kept secret on the North Shore. Family-owned and operated, Stacy's Home Decor located at 20 Wheeler Street in Lynn is celebrating their 100th year in business. They'll transform your living space. I know because they transformed mine. They offer a huge variety of window coverings so you can count on their team to coordinate your decorating project from start to finish. Whether you're looking to redecorate or need a designer for your new home, Stacy's Home Decor is the place to go. So call them today at 781-595-0097 or visit them at their website at stacyshomedecor.com. They offer complimentary in-home consultations, offering clients the advantage of using their own environment and natural lighting to ensure the perfect treatment every time, so don't waste another minute. Call them today at 781-595-0097.
0: The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual on-the-go American fare to the North End serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com.
1: Okay, we are back, and I'm speaking with Dr. Craig Malcolm. You're listening to Talk with Francesca, and we are sorting out what narcissism is and is not. So welcome back, Craig.
2: Thank you for having me back
1: so oh my gosh there seems like there's so much to cover um i don't even sort of i, I feel in some ways like i don't even really know where to begin uh, because there is so much here um but I, I'm, I'm curious you know these really the the narcissists who are really difficult um that you know can really be hurtful can we talk a little bit about that
2: absolutely first we have to start with just a little bit. Not. We don't need to get into the weeds with all of this, but definitions. Narcissist is not a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I want uh, everybody out there to understand. The reason is there's plenty of research on people who are classified as narcissists, but they do not have narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissist just means somebody higher in traits of narcissism than the average person, or in my view, in rethinking narcissism, they have a higher drive to feel special. Than, than the average person. Um, when it becomes a problem, again, go back to the model of addiction. Instead of turning to relationships for, for mutual caring and support and saying when I'm sad or scared or lonely that, and, and trusting that people can there, be there for me, I, I soothe myself by feeling like the most misunderstood person in the room or the most attractive. If it becomes enough of an addictive pattern, I won't care. What it takes to get that, and that will lead to triple E exploitation, doing whatever it takes to get my needs met, no matter what the cost in this case, feeling exceptional or unique in some manner, um, uh, entitlement, acting as if the world and other people owe me, and the third E is empathy impairment or empathy dysfunction. We used to think that people who with narcissistic personality disorder had no capacity for empathy. And what's clear from the research is that's more characteristic of people with psychopathy, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which you can think briefly of psychopathy Mm -hmm. as a pattern of remorseless lies and and manipulation and people who, in imaging, neuroimaging, their brain doesn't appear to function the same way. They don't experience emotions in the same way. Whereas somebody with narcissistic personality disorder, and this fits in with the idea of an addiction, they're so preoccupied with their drive, their internal need to to feel special in whatever way that they wind up becoming uh blind and deaf to what other people feeling and when it combines with psychopathy getting to your point about danger uh this is something called malignant narcissism and people who have it are called malignant narcissists this is very dangerous because now you have a combination of triple e and this is again this is what i go into depth each of those those factors in rethinking narcissism that over and over again in the research t- are tied to uh, some of the worst behaviors like attacking when their egos are threatened and uh, devaluing relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as soon as you see that triple E in combination with that kind of cold, remorseless approach to uh, life and people that, that is present in psychopathy, uh, if you... It's a very dangerous combination. So, I was just, so that you mm-hmm. want to be aware of.
1: Who do narcissists pick for partners?
2: It's a great question. It, it, it there's been a recent research study uh, that says that some sometimes at least, very often, extremely narcissistic people will pair up with other narcissistic people, and it's a disaster. Uh, it leads to aggression and and um, some of the worst behaviors. Uh, that that's a recent study. But what we see often clinically, and this is hinting at what you were asking about earlier. You know what, what happens if you uh, don't even feel a little bit special. Um, in in our in, in our research and in rethinking narcissism, I call this echoism. Echo was the nymph who was cursed to repeat back the last few words that she heard, and just like Narcissus, the young Greek who was, was cursed to fall in love with his reflection, he he did. Uh, just as he fell in love with his reflection, Echo fell in love with Narcissus. And what what I've found, uh, what we when we start to look at um, people who have echoism, and these are people who are. Uh, afraid of seeming narcissistic anyway. They say, I, I, I'm afraid of becoming a burden. Um, I'm not sure what my, my pref- what my needs or preferences are. They agree with statements like that. Uh, they they uh, tend to fall into relationships with extremely narcissistic friends and partners. And they can be very warm-hearted people. Of all the people we looked at, they were the most warm-hearted. So you can think of people who struggle with echoism. It's like their capacities at echo or tend to other people's needs winds up being exploited by more narcissistic partners and friends
1: how just with we just have about a minute left how would we outsmart a narcissist
2: really to outsmart a narcissist you have to be able to recognize what they all have in common regardless of the kind of narcissism and this is in, in rethinking narcissism, I call this the early warning, these the early warning signs, five early warning signs. Uh, so, just a quick example would be something I call um, playing emotional hot potato. Remember, narcissists are uncomfortable with vulnerability. Uh, they don't, they're afraid that if they open, if they share sadness, loneliness, fear, that people won't be there for them. So, there are these predictable strategies to go around it, and playing emotional hot potato is one of them. Uh, think of it like playing a game of hot potato with feeling of insecurity. I don't want to feel this way here. You take it. So, for example, I had a client who was applying to graduate school, uh, and her, her boyfriend who really had no idea what he was going to do next, but didn't want to talk about it, would stand over her shoulder and say, are you sure that's where you want to go? Are you sure you're not overshooting a little bit? Um, and so there's nothing... Uh, overtly abusive going on there but what what's happening is he's sort of shoring up his own feeling of certainty by undermining her uncertainty that is playing emotional hot potato uh and when it's combined with this feeling of superiority like i'm in the know and 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 you aren't that is that is one of those signs that shows up across these different kinds of narcissism because it's a way of avoiding vulnerability
1: All right, we need to take a short break. When we come back, Craig is gonna answer your questions. Stay with us here, and we're gonna hear from our sponsors. Don't go away. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll wanna dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience, and as quoted in Zagat's restaurant guide, pastas without compare, and it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or TerramiaRestaurante.com. Love your stylist but bored with your look? You can expect something different at the Professional Stylist Forum. Their team of the North Shore's most established platform artists work in a think-tank environment where every client experiences the forum's collective mind. The Forum specializes in advanced hair design, extensions, medical aesthetics, makeup artistry, and world-class professional education. The team behind your style is conveniently located in the heart of historic Andover Center. At 354 North Main Street, this 3,000 square foot facility offers a relaxing setting complete with modern treatment rooms and access to the latest innovative beauty and lifestyle services and luxury products. So call the forum today for a guaranteed five-star treatment at 978-210-8552. That number again is 978-210-8552. I wouldn't go anywhere else. You shouldn't either.
0: Brown Sugar by the Sea is unique to the area with a contemporary, creative, healthy take on traditional Thai cuisine. You'll find well-known favorites as well as some unexpected goodies stemming from far-flung regions of Thailand. Fresh vegetables, bright flavors, and herbs stand out in every brown sugar dish and can be delivered conveniently to your door or enjoyed in their warm and welcoming dining room. A full bar, a pizzazzy cocktail menu, live music on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and a smiling, knowledgeable staff will make your brown sugar experience perfectly sweet. So visit Brown Sugar by the Sea for an unforgettable experience from start to finish. You'll be glad you did. Brown Sugar by the Sea, 75 Water Street in Newburyport, or visit them at brownsugarbythesea.com.
1: Are you tired of looking tired? Sweet 6 Med Spa in Newburyport specializes in anti-aging treatments using medical-grade skincare, Botox, and fillers to correct, prevent, and protect. And don't forget to ask them about their laser facials. Turn back the hands of time with minimal interruption. Schedule your appointment with our Harvard-trained medical director and experienced plastic surgeon, Dr. Mark McCarrion, during your lunch break and return looking refreshed. Call Sweet 6 Med Spa today at 978 358 8178 or visit them at sweet6medspa.com and just wait for your friends to ask where you went on vacation. I know they will. All right we are back and you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Dr. Craig Malcolm. He is the author of Rethinking Narcissism. We are talking about what narcissism is and well not so much is not anymore. Um, The Secrets to Recognizing (laughs) and Coping with Narcissists. Thanks um, for um, being back here with us Craig.
2: Oh, my pleasure.
1: All right, so I'm going to jump on my computer now to pick up some questions, and hopefully you can answer them. I'm sure you can. Uh, Janine from Alston would like to know: How do we recognize? Most- oh, okay. How do we recognize a narcissist? Well, we're talking a little bit about that. What is most important fo- to look for? More importantly, what might we miss? Oh, well, that's a good one. Okay. Well,
2: what we if we get. Again, if we focus too much on this idea of, you know, is this somebody who talks about themselves all the time and they're loud and they're chest thumpers, we're going to miss a lot. Because, say, the quieter kind of uh, narcissist person, which let's just say a narcissist is somebody who's higher in narcissistic traits, and they might even have narcissistic personality disorder. But if they're more introverted, they feel like the most misunderstood person in the room or an undiscovered genius, what you want to look for are these different ways of avoiding vulnerability. Remember, in Rethinking Narcissism, one of the things I point out is that narcissists are afraid uh, that if they actually share that they're scared or they're sad or they're lonely and turn to people, uh, that no, that those people won't really be there for them. They've had experiences of abuse or neglect or misattunement mm-hmm. growing up, so they don't trust it. Again, it's called insecure attachment. So there are these. What you need to look for are these ways of avoiding vulnerability. I'll give you another one that's classic, that shows up again and again, regardless of, of, of the type of, of person and that of narcissism. That is and that is, fanatizing your twins. So. Uh, this has its roots in something normal. Teenagers often pair up or, or form groups uh, where they, everything is based on how they're all like, "Oh, I like ketchup just like you do," and we all dress alike and it's wonderful. Um, and The idea is that if you have a twin, it's like having a mirror all the time. Mm-hmm. If there is no difference, there can be no disappointment. It's a way of avoiding vulnerability plus it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a special bond. If you get into your 30s or 40s and this is somebody who's always looking for the, the ways you're similar, mm-hmm. even if this is sort of a quiet, unassuming person, that's a, it's a bad sign mm. um, because that's an illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fun for a little while, but once the illusion uh, dissipates, uh, you can wind up in a relationship with somebody who is treating you like somehow you betrayed them or mm-hmm. let them down in some horrible way because... You're no, you're no longer a twin. We're no longer one mind and two bodies.
1: So, yeah, it. so it really all does come down to wanting to feel special because they're feeling insecure. And um, when, and inevitably, relationships all um, have issues. They have, they have no ability to then be vulnerable because god forbid if they are then they fear that they won't be loved
2: that's right uh,
1: so that's exactly so is there what? any hope for these people who are narcissists or the people who love them is there can narcissists actually have a relationship
2: the the answer is that it depends yeah, so level before, right
1: the spectrum
2: you, yes the spectrum but also this is what I think, again, getting to this idea of how do you recognize dangerous narcissism, in some ways I want to, um, I, I want to reframe that question okay. because a lot of times people come to me and they say my boyfriend or my girlfriend calls me names and uh, is, is really demeaning and I'm afraid he or she might be a narcissist, do you think that's the case? That's kind of the least of your worries yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you're in an abusive relationship. Exactly. Yeah, a name <laughs> isn't
1: going to help. You know, oh, right. calling, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with the narcissist. Oh, okay, then that's okay.
2: Okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, abu- lots of things cause abuse. People can become so addicted to a substance that they wind up becoming a- abusive. It alters their personality. You know, if somebody has a gambling addiction, uh, they could, if they've been abused themselves in the past, it's a horrible legacy. But very often, people have been traumatized in the past, wind up traumatizing others. Something called identification of the aggressor. So, lots of things cause abuse. So, as soon as you're asking, is there hope here? You kind of have to first see if there are what I call the three stop signs: a, emotional and physical abuse. No matter what the cause, is a reason to seek help leaving a relationship or figuring out what your next steps are if you're feeling stuck and are unsure how. Uh, Because abuse is 100% the responsibility of the abuser. No matter what causes it, it's on them to fix it. Um, The second stop sign uh, is denial. If somebody's in denial of their problems, it's not going to get better. If they can't even in some small way again whether it's gambling addiction or, or substance abuse or extreme narcissism like narcissistic personality disorder if they can't say i think there's something wrong here it can't get better again you need help figuring out to leave the relation, how to leave the relationship if that's if that's the case and the third we've touched on earlier and this is something i, I elaborate on in rethinking narcissism but psychopathy which you can uh, briefly think of as a pattern of remorseless lies and manipulation. Uh, I, once, once again, when that's combined with extreme narcissism, it becomes something called malignant narcissism, which can be very dangerous mm-hmm. um, uh, where people are very cold and calculating about their use of others around them. See any of those three stop signs? Uh, your, your concern should be for your, your emotional and physical, safety not whether or not there's any hope for the relationship
1: and you have um on your website um a, a narcissism test is that right i
2: do yeah that's the uh, on on dr craig com. i think it's called uh the the tab is called the test but you can also go to uh the narcissism test dot mm-hmm. it actually redirects there that is a brief version of the research the test that we developed in the research called the narcissism spectrum scale and it does it's it, it's actually a very good test it, cor- it correlates for those statistic bands out there meaning it, it 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 links together pretty closely mathematically with the uh with the full test and I have a version of that in Rethinking Narcissism people can take. But, so if you take the online test, you get a little taste of this. You can see, okay, do I struggle with echoism? Mm-hmm. Where am I in healthy narcissism? Do I have to worry if I'm, if I'm in the extreme range of, of narcissism? And I give research backed uh, tips and feedback. Uh, that we put together based on our research.
1: I'm um, you know as we're talking I'm I'm staring at your book Rethinking Narcissism N- Rethinking Narcissism. Is, it's a mouthful there. The secrets to recognizing yeah. and coping with narcissists. Uh, this is, book is by Dr. Craig Malcolm whom I was speaking with this morning on Talk with Francesca. And as I'm looking at Rethinking Narcissism, I just I see that all the eyes are highlighted and it didn't occur to yes. me when I first saw the book. It didn't you know, it didn't, I didn't I didn't but now it's like I I I I. It's all about me. Well, by the way, so you know, it's kind of it's a, it's kind of a very interesting thing. You know, I actually took the test. I don't remember exactly what my scores were, but I'm kind of like in the middle. I you know, I have a little narcissism. Right. I, you know, but you know, and you know what I say. You only need one good enough parent. A parent who who makes you feel mm. good enough, um, secure enough. Um, but, you know, maybe there was a little of putting me on the edge, I don't know, as a child. <laughs> because, <laughs> but but I, I think I'm okay. But so, listeners, uh, yeah, I would encourage you to take that that test. Um, Here's another question. Deb from Milford would like to know, what drives someone to an unhealthy need to be with a narcissist who cheats? Who cheats? That's an interesting one. Um, Whether it's a narcissist, yeah, I mean, just a cheater. It's almost kind of a... What
2: draws somebody to a cheater is a fascinating question, and it goes beyond just...
1: Yeah, um, well, that's what I was kind of, like I, I was tongue-tied thing. here. This is all very tongue-tying conversation. But, um, <laughs> yeah, what drives someone to be with a cheater? Um,
2: there, there's there's often many reasons, but one of, if you know somebody is a cheater or a serial cheater, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you've you've seen this and you've seen evidence of it... You know, one of the most common reasons that people wind up in a relationship like that is that there's a kind of built-in wall that is uh, for, for, for whatever reason you, you yourself have felt un, uncomfortable. You've had some experiences where you're not sure how safe it is to be all in. If you know that you're with somebody who's never quite there, there's this built-in wall, and, and it's a kind of protection. It's like, I know it's, it's only safe to go so far. Uh, and what's interesting is it can still be very exciting because of all the uncertainty. We know from the research that... Um, any intense feeling in their relationship can increase attraction mm-hmm. that includes jealousy and uncertainty I call this the rickety bridge phenomenon Shh. because uh, <laughs> there was a cla- there was a classic study that showed when you march some people out onto a bridge that feels like it's going to collapse any, any minute they're more they're more attracted to this to this attractive research assistant across from them than if, if people were on firmer ground mm-hmm. um, so we, we confuse uh fear with desire so these can be really exciting roller coaster relationships but there's always a way in which naturally we're going to hold back because we know it's not completely safe Mm -hmm. Hmm, interesting so that's one reason there are there are other reasons and of course uh, well why be attracted
1: to bad behavior you know, or why keep going back to, to bad behavior. You know, it was so funny, because I was walking my dog this morning. And, uh, you know, he, he's a little, you know, he's, he's an old man, for crying out loud. He's 12 years old. <laughs> and But no, but what's really funny, and I and I had to, you know, I always, um, you know, I live near a beach, and I always want to uh, let him loose with the, the, the leash, but he's a little freshy, you know, he'll, he'll just, go all the way down the beach and I have to end up calling him and screaming at him to come back and then I he's out of sight and then I get really scared and then he shows his face and it's like, oh, I won't do that again. I will never let you off the leash again. And so, <laughs> so, the, so this morning, so, so, seriously, so this morning, you know I'm doing my thing and I'm thinking I'm really, I know you want to be let off the leash and I said to myself Francesca why are you attracted to this bad behavior no you're staying on your leash and that's all there is to it and so yeah, but I was thinking why am I, I letting I know he's going to give me this bad behavior now I know I catch him catch him every time but I'm never really sure is he playing a game or am I just lucky enough to catch him but but you know but why are we you know who, what, what kind of a person is attracted to bad behavior so
2: Oh,
1: any- I, love, I love that analogy. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> I, anyway, and I don't know if change is ever really possible. Um, but anyway, so uh, here's another one. Ella from T- Topsfield. Um, oh, good. How does a narcissist escape these traps of looking for approval? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, we're kind of long past the Freudian um way of of dealing with problems of you know well, we need to know where it comes from, I mean, yeah, we know it comes from insecure love, we know it comes from unhealthy you know attachments as a child, all that stuff, but you know so so what how do they escape those traps That's a very good question, Thank you, Ella, for that very that, very insightful question
2: i'm going to draw on my experiences as therapist because I see so many. Mm. You know, one, of, one of the uh, effects of me doing this research and sort of framing uh, unhealthy and pathological narcissism in this way is that it does give people who are extremely narcissistic uh, and, and have narcissistic personality disorder hope, hope for change, because, yes, if you can learn to relate in, this, in a securely attached way, you don't need to depend on narcissism or feeling special anymore. Just in the same way that very often the cure, if you will, for somebody who's struggling with substance addiction is to be a part of the community. Uh, they, they they substitute that way of uh, managing all their upset and intense feelings. They feel like they're a part of something. They can call their sponsor. What we now know from the research, there's a dozen or so studies now that show this is that, as opposed to what you used to, we used to think, yes, in fact, narcissism can be reduced. And not surprisingly, given everything that I've said, and this is research I go to, into in detail in rethinking narcissism, but to the extent that you focus people on relationships and caring and connection, their narcissism will drop On all different, in all different ways. Their drive for fame to help other people their empathy there are actual studies in the lab and live couples that have shown that it is possible for to uh unblock uh the empathy of people who are extremely narcissistic to uncover that capacity and it has everything to do with So when I work with people who have NPD or people who are extremely narcissistic, uh, I basically ask them to roll up their sleeves and I say, I'm, I'm going to hold your feet gently to the fire to the extent that you're focused on others and what they're doing and not focus inward on what's going on inside you emotionally. We're not working. Hmm. So a big part of it is helping people do that. Now, I, another caveat, we can't change anyone. Mm-hmm. That is not our responsibility to play therapist to partners or friends. Uh, th- this this research is helpful when you're working with somebody in the room as a therapist. And it does lead to some strategies that I describe in Rethinking Narcissism test- to test out the hope for change. It points people in the right direction, at least, to try out things for a few weeks before they say, okay, that's not. it's not working. I know what I need to know.
1: So, you know, I, I'm curious about something. Um, I, it occurred to me when you were talking there for a second that what about a narcissism and sexual intimacy? Because, you know, when you're obviously sexually intimate, I mean, there are no boundaries, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, you really have to be very vulnerable if you if you want true intimacy anyway. Um, you know, I'm not just talking about the act of sex, obviously. And if someone needs to be unique and powerful and special and perfect, um, I would think that would be the complete opposite of true, true intimacy. What, what are your thoughts on that, Craig?
2: It absolutely is the opposite of true intimacy. And we have research on... Uh, problems that result. So, some what's interesting is you can have somebody who's extremely narcissistic, uh, who may or may not express what's called sexual narcissism. Sexual narcissism is exactly what it sounds like. It's attitudes where you feel where you're exploitive entitled, and unempathic, and bad really. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you you know you feel like you're great. Uh, you're you're you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread uh, in mm-hmm. in bed. Um, and you're less likely to attend to your partner, what, ha- what we see in the research is people who are extremely narcissistic in this way really view sex like a, a an act of acrobatics, not an act of intimacy. Right,
0: right. So they have a very
2: constricted emotional experience of sex. I, I can feel special by being an awesome,
1: right, an awesome
2: sexual right. partner. right. And uh-huh. I can go from one partner to another proving it. But there's no intimacy there. And actually, what's interesting, when I work with people who find themselves falling into relationships like this, invariably the report is the the, the sex was intense. Uh, but then after, if they do wind up in that relationship for a while, it starts to feel very mechanical.
1: All right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. What about, like... Um dodging you know it insecurity um, you know that sort of then when they when you're talking when you're in a um, relationship with someone and and um, you know they don't want to deal with their insecurities obviously so they give you their feelings so that they don't have to feel um, but in such a subtle way that it, you almost kind of miss it do you know what I'm you know what I'm, I don't know if I'm Absolutely. asking I don't Here's know if I'm asking the one. question quite right but
2: well, you're describing what I call playing emotional hot potato. Ah, okay. And that is, it's just, it's another one of those, it can happen early in a relationship. Again, as, as soon as you're looking at people who are so dependent on or addicted to feeling special that they have to turn away from genuine intimacy and secure love, there are these predictable strategies. Playing emotional hot potato is one of them, mm-hmm. uh, and that is where you, where the person who's narcissistic says or does things leave you feeling unsure of yourself i gave an example in in an earlier appearance of uh boyfriend standing over his girlfriend's shoulder questioning every move every application they made to graduate school another example common in the workplace is you have the boss who looks over your shoulder and you know they're going through hell and they don't know what's going to happen with the company but they sit over your shoulder and they're like i don't think that's right that's completely wrong or i I think you should completely redo that you you don't really know what you're doing do you that's a more pernicious obviously nasty overt form of emotional hot potato what's happening is they they, they're loath to acknowledge boy i'm completely lost here or talk to anybody about it so they make you feel lost instead
1: how do deal with someone who's in complete denial who just has no idea that they are even uh, you know they're just so they have such a wall up they have such a strong defense system that you know you just there's no breaking through to them especially if it's someone who is in your family, which leads me to, I'm looking at another question that just came in, so this is, that's my question, but Gary from Swampscott says, I hate to even think about the holidays. What about family members? Um, So, so I guess my question and Gary's, maybe you can answer them both in one, or I don't know, tease them out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They, they, we can tie them together because, uh, Remember, when you're trying to decide, and this is the outlying and rethinking narcissism, is okay, is there hope here? Well, first look for the three stop signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is those indicators that maybe it's time to get help leaving a relationship. One of them is denial. Denial, in fact, is the, one of the strongest predictors of extreme narcissism in studies following people over time. It predicts some of the worst behaviors. Mm-hmm. So if you see somebody who's in denial, I have no hope. I I want to be very clear with people, uh, listeners out there. I try to provide very clear and stark lines, clearer than people have had before. Um, That's really where if you're you're struggling and you feel like there's still something for you in the relationship, you want to get support and help figuring out what's got you stuck. People in denial do not change. Mm -hmm. They're not working to change, so how can they change? If you've got a family member who's in denial of their their alcohol problem or the fact that they are extremely narcissistic, you have to protect yourself. Now, here's where I say there is no magic. I get responses sometimes from people saying, but that didn't work. And my answer is, well, there you have your answer then. This is information. Mm -hmm. You can try strategies to protect yourself, like something I call connection contract. You're going home for the holidays. Uh, a good example I had a client whose mother when she would go home she wanted to see her sister and her mother and other people when she would go home mother would call her fat oh. and would often drink comment on her weight um and she just wanted to go home to see her sister she just wanted to go uh, for the holidays but yeah. you don't want to be subjected to that right so you can you can try on the phone saying mom You know, I care about you. I care about, uh, you know, Lisa, my sister. I care about her and I want to see everybody. But if I go home and I hear yelling and Mm -hmm. I hear criticism, Mm -hmm. uh, if you call me fat, if you start drinking too much, that will tell me it's not safe to be at home and I'll have to make arrangements elsewhere. Um, yeah, those now, are a couple
1: deal breakers there, I would say.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And, but yeah. you, so, uh, so,
1: so you got to set some limits is, and, be, and be pretty specific, uh, I would say, huh?
2: Very specific ahead of time. These are the things that will keep me from sticking around. If you, if you choose to behave this way, you're choosing for me to leave. That's a connection contract. And a lot of times, if it's effective, you get kind of a grumbly response from the person this is what happened with a number of clients of mine. Is like, oh, I would never do that. I would never do that. But because people, especially narcissists who are very narcissistic, don't like to be predicted, they they, they wind up being on their best behavior. Now, if it doesn't work, the, really the only thing that is going to work is limited contact. You have to, mm. uh, obviously, in this idea, you have to have an exit strategy anyway in case it doesn't work, but. You always want a backup plan so you don't have to be stuck in the situation. Right. Um, and it might mean that you show up for a half an hour to limit the damage and then you go hang out with friends.
1: <laughs> limit the, <that's> damage control. <laughs> Around yes. The, yes. Damage, maybe we should do a show a little closer to the holidays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, damage control. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it's it's always a, a challenge with biological um, you know, f- with family members, you know, when you get into that kind of a situation. Um, I wish we had more time, but we are out of time. Dr. Craig Malcolm, author of Rethinking Narcissism: The Secrets, The Secrets, Excuse me, to recognizing and coping with narcissists. Um, take his, his test, Dr, uh, it's craigmalcolm.com or Dr. drcraigmalcolm.com.
2: Dr. com. D-R-C-R-A-I-G-M-A-L-K-I-N as in
1: Nancy.com. Yep. Fantastic. Thanks so much for being on Talk with Francesca this morning. It's been just oh. incredibly informative. Love it. and um, And we've been lucky to have you. So thanks again.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me on again. I've really enjoyed it.
1: Okay. All right. We need to wrap things up and say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. See you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week.